20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined, as always, by Andrew Mertig. And we are back for another Friday edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Uh, How's it going, Andrew? Great. Uh, This is episode 744, which is exciting and and a random number. And we got a little word today that we may see Packers training camp starting very soon, which is always good news. But rather than going on my normal tirade to begin the show, we have a special guest today. So I will just shut up and and let you introduce them. Yeah, we are super excited to have Jordan Reed of the Draft Network joining us on the show today. Uh, Not to be confused with tight end Jordan Reed, who recently signed with the San Francisco 49ers. No one has ever made that mistake before, I'm sure. Uh, We just didn't want to be the first ones. But Jordan, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. Jordan does a great uh, amount of work on the draft all year round. If you're not familiar with his work Seriously, I don't even know what you're doing if you're a football fan. He really is one of the best in the business. And we all know that uh, football is going to look a little bit differently coming up here in 2020. Uh, The pandemic has changed everything. That includes how rookies who were just drafted in April will acclimate to the NFL. It's going to change the upcoming college football season and all the kind of uncertainty that's all around that right now. And then all of this obviously has implications for the 2021 draft as well. So we jumped on the opportunity to have Jordan on the show to help us sort through some of the crazy here. So Jordan, we are super excited to have you. Welcome to the Pack-A-Day podcast. It's a pleasure for being here. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, so I, I did see that Joe Marino had tweeted today that it is the Draft Network's two-year birthday today. So before we get started, I just wanted to reiterate how great I think the Draft Network is. Um, if if people have been listening, uh, anytime we've had Joe Marino or Ben Solak on the show, I've, I've probably sounded a little bit like a TDN spokesman. But it's <laughs> just so cool, the, the package that you've put together. First of all, it's a collection of some of the best and brightest draft that I've experts in the country and it's just put in a format that puts all of the other draft sites to shame um and on top of that it's not just draft focus there's great content about fantasy football college football um lots of cool updates about the nfl i'm a premium member and for me it's totally a steal for 30 dollars a year so thanks for everything that you do with that for us uh, draft nerds it is the pinnacle of draft content no problem. And, you know, those guys are the originals. I've actually only been with the company for a year. So <clears throat> it's really a unique opportunity. And we're doing some special things, just trying to grow the brand every year. And, you know, you're you're not one of the first people to just talk about and compliment the company. So we really appreciate it. We're really humbled by everything that we're doing as well. So I have to ask you, as a, a former quarterback and a coach at North Carolina Central University and what I would consider the quarterback guru at TDN, I'm wondering what your thoughts are of Jordan Love as a prospect coming into the NFL. 
Yeah, and I've gotten this question a million times just because he seems to be out of the, the big four that won the first round last year. He seems to be the most discussed one just because there was the most mixed opinions about him. But I still was a fan of Jordan Love. I loved, I loved what he showed in 2018 when he threw 32 touchdowns and six interceptions, and I thought everything went well for that was around him. But then last year, you know, everything went bad for him. Or I shouldn't say bad. He was really inconsistent with 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. And, it, it kind of was an interesting year for him just because he lost his head coach. His head coach went, went to Texas Tech, I believe. He lost his offensive coordinator as well. So he really was fighting an uphill battle from that moment. And you can tell that he tried to play a little bit of hero ball in a sense and that it was just too much for him to overcome. And he just got really out of character, especially down the backstretch of last year. But as far as what you're getting with him, I love the arm strength. I love to, the ability to throw from different arm slots. I love the off-script creations that he has that to his disposal. But the thing that you worry about with him is just the inconsistencies with his accuracy. I think that's something that was a big fault of his going into last year, or I should say coming out of last year. But overall, I definitely think he was worthy of a first-round selection. I just didn't think that he would end up in the landing spot that he did. I think that was a huge surprise, especially to you guys. Yeah, it was a huge surprise, and it has not gone without criticism, but it's fun to hear you talk about those positive aspects of his game. So I'm, I'm curious, as Packers fans, we hate to even say things like this out loud, but if something were to happen to Aaron Rodgers this season, be that an illness, a positive virus test, or a significant injury, or something like that, do you think that Jordan Love could have success in his rookie year if he were forced into action, say, right away? Yeah, I think so. It's just you really find out what type of coach that you have when your first option goes down. But I think a guy like Matt LaFleur does a really job, really good job of scheming players open, and he has a really lenient passing game as well. And we saw the success that Aaron Rodgers had last year, even though a lot of people like to argue that he was inconsistent, especially in certain spurts throughout the year. I thought Aaron still was a good player last year, but I think it's just overblown what a lot of people are saying about him. But to stand on topic with Jordan Love, I think as long as you have a rhythm on schedule passing game for him early on, I think he'll be just fine. And the great thing about the Packers is that he's not coming into a situation where he doesn't have really good protection. I think the Packers have one of the best offensive fronts now. Their weapons, that's a whole nother topic of debate as far as them, as far as what they have on the perimeter. I think Devontae Adams is a great player. But outside of that, you, they really have some inconsistent and some questionable options. I know Alan Lazard had some positive spurts last year, but they're looking for a little bit more from him, especially as a number two wide receiver. So you worry about some of the weapons not being able to help him a bit more than you would like outside of Devontae Adams. But in his protection, I think he's in a favorable situation. So I think he will be fine. But, of course, with any other rookie quarterback, you're always going to have some warts here and there. So that's great, and, and I think that's a pretty optimistic view of what Jordan Love could potentially do this year. And and outside of Jordan Love, were there things that you liked or didn't like about the Packers 2020 draft class? Uh, I think the biggest thing about the Packers draft class is that with them being one game away from the Super Bowl, you thought they would add a weapon here or there, especially a receiver. I thought it was going to be a foregone conclusion that they broke their receiver streak. As far as in the first round, they haven't selected one since 2002, I believe it was, when they selected Javon Walker. I thought with this being such a strong receiver class, I thought they probably would dab their toes in there, especially to help Aaron and find somebody opposite of Devontae Adams, but they just didn't want to do that. But I think the most surprising thing about it was that they really built a plan for two to three years down the road. And what I mean by that is, of course, we've already talked about Jordan Love, but selecting A.J. Dillon 
that early. That really was a huge surprise to me. And we know Aaron Jones is entering a contract year. And we've seen how disposable the running back position is. So we'll see if they end up resigning Aaron Jones. Also, Jamal Williams, who's also entering a contract year as well. And then with them selecting A.J. Dillon, they kind of revealed their hand a little bit as far as what they want to do with either one of those guys. So I think the most surprising thing about it was they went in with the plan of really getting guys that they needed down the road as opposed to getting guys that they could get that can contribute right away to help them get over the hump that they failed to get over against the 49ers. All right, so looking ahead now just a little bit more, um, kind of shifting to the future, players like Virginia Tech's cornerback Caleb Fairley, Minnesota's wide receiver Rashad Bateman, and Penn State's linebacker Micah Parsons have already opted out of their 2020 college seasons. And I think it's probably expected that more announcements like this are certainly coming. We've seen a few more even rolling in today. So I really wanted to ask you, Jordan, how do you think all of this is going to impact the draft stocks of guys who take the year off for the sake of their health? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this as someone who who watches this process year in and year out so closely. Do you think teams will be leery of taking guys who haven't played football in a year? I think for the top ranked guys, I think they'll be fine. But once you get, once you start and get, excuse me, once you start to get into the guys that are later down the road that are projected to be third, fourth, or even fifth round guys, I think that that's where it gets a little bit tricky. But for guys like Caleb Farley and Gregory Rousseau from Miami, who was the latest, he had now Rousseau hasn't declared, but he just said he's out and out of the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Parsons, I don't think any of those guys needed to play another down just to prove who they are just because we know exactly what they're capable of. Marco Parsons was going to be a top 10 pick no matter what he did this past season. Now, Bateman is a little bit more of an interesting case just because he's a wide receiver, and you always want to see wide receivers take that next step, which I think Bateman was able to do so. But I still think he ultimately ends somewhere in the top 40, I think without a doubt, even if he doesn't play another snap next season. So I definitely think it's a slippery slope. But for the guys that have already opted out, I don't see any negative effects from it. Now, on, on the flip side of that, the kind of the counter, um, you know, maybe those guys are getting ahead of the curve. And what we may very well see is that there is no college football in 2020. If, if you were going to prognosticate, what do you think that draft process would look like? Um, I mean, it, go, going into the 2021 draft, if there is no college football, are, are we just going to be completely reliant on the 2019 film? Um, you, you think there's going to have to be more... Um, combine type events more more senior bowl ish type of stuff or i mean how would you get the information for players yeah and it's going to be really difficult just because you basically you're in a situation that's never been experienced before in united states history as far as the draft process or anything like that with the pandemic so obviously you have to go off of 2018 and 2019 tape from what you've seen with these guys where for somebody like a Gregory Rousseau who's only played one year of college football, yes, he had 15 and a half sacks and 19 and a half tackle for loss last year, but he's a very raw prospect and you don't know if he's going to take that next step. So you're just going off such a small sample size. It makes you really wary of taking these guys and Trey Lance from North Dakota state is another example of we really haven't seen him face any type of adversity. He goes out and he accounts for 42 touchdowns and no interceptions. But how does he respond to adversity? That's something that a lot of people were really going to be looking forward to this next season. But we're not not going to be afforded that opportunity. So it's definitely a slippery slope. But just reading some articles and then talking to Jim Nagy this morning, actually, he's going to try to get something where underclassmen really can play in the senior bowl or people that have opted out of the 2020 season and try to get these underclassmen just so they can 
NFL evaluators and scouts can just get eyes on them just because we haven't seen these guys since last fall in a sense, and that's a very long time just because nobody really pays attention to spring practices as more for the younger guys that are coming out. And, of course, that's when you get testing numbers on some of these upcoming juniors and seniors, but as far as game action, we haven't seen them since last August. So there's going to be a huge sample size and a huge piece of the puzzle missing. So I'm hoping we get more of these all-star games or senior bowl type events just because we're going to need that type of information to see how they stack up against the competition. Yeah, that'll be really interesting. And you heard it here on the Packaday podcast, some inside scoop on the Senior Bowl, it sounds like. Some changes coming there. Uh, and I hope those guys get the opportunity. You know, they've, they've earned it. It's not their fault that we're living through a pandemic. So uh, taking their health is the highest priority. I hope they get every opportunity to showcase uh, their talents and, and abilities leading up to that draft. But we know it's way, way early to be talking about 2021 in some respects, but we also know that's exactly what you guys do at TDN all the time. So um, will you guys, you know, as you're always a group that leans so heavily on the tape anyway, who are some prospects that you've studied already that you're really, really excited about this early in the process? Yeah, and we've mentioned one already, Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. He's one that I'm really, really excited about. And it's unfortunate we won't get to see him play this year just because I think he's a specimen at the linebacker position, 6'3", 245 pounds. But he's an absolute animal in everything that you want in the middle of your defense. So Parsons definitely was one that I was really excited about. Panay Sewell from Oregon, offensive tackle from Oregon, is another that I was really excited about as well. And he's another that's going to be really interesting to monitor to see if he ends up opting out just because I think of any prospect, he's one that doesn't need to put anything else on film just because he's that good. Um, but one that I'm really looking forward to seeing this year, hopefully we do end up getting football this year, is Dylan Moses, the linebacker from Alabama, just because prior to last season he was seen as a top 15-ish pick. I think that's a fair range for him, but he suffered the torn ACL. And this is going to be his first year recovering from that, and he's actually playing at Mike linebacker this year, which is going to be a bit of a switch-up. For him, he's played mostly Sam and Will linebacker during his time at Alabama. So, uh, Panay Sewell, Michael Parsons, and Dylan Moses are definitely three guys that I've uh, watching that I've been watching over the past few months, and I'm really excited about. All right, so Jordan, this is where things are going to get a little bit tense on this podcast, I think, um, because I believe you are a lifelong Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings fan. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have to confess that Andrew and I were both pretty big fans of Justin Jefferson coming out of LSU. And when Minnesota took him, that was a really tough one for us to deal with. So uh, I still feel a little bit of physical pain as I talk about the fact that he's going to be wearing purple. Uh, but I did want to ask you, I know Jefferson found much of his success in the slot at LSU. Do you expect the Vikings to use him primarily there in the slot, or do you think that he's going to be utilized as a boundary receiver for this Vikings team? Yeah, I think the slot, I think that's fair to say for him. And I know Adam Thielen has made a lot of his money in there, but I think whenever you take a guy in the first round, you're asking him to replace the production of Stephon Diggs. I think you have to do what's best for him. And I think LSU saw that really early, and they played him in the slot for the most part just because He's not the, twi the twitchiest guy that you want to put on the outside just because he does struggle a little bit getting off press. But when he's in the slot, I think he has some athletic advantages that he can take advantage of against those linebackers and then some of those slot corners as well. So I think they're going to start him off in slot. But he's going to see some time outside as well just because you want him a guy that good and that diverse. You want him on the outside just to see what he can do. But I think a bulk of his touches are definitely going to come from the slot. 
And and do you have any any thoughts on the NFC North this upcoming year, or maybe uh, Packers Vikings Week One? I think it's one of the best divisions in football. I think Detroit is going to be better this year. We'll see what happens with the Chicago situation. I think their season lives or dies by what happens at the quarterback position, whether they try Trubisky or Nick Foles out there. But I think the top two teams in that division, without question, going into the year, the Vikings and the Packers, and that's usually how it is ever since. Uh, The Bears had their one glory year a couple years ago, but they've just been down ever since then just because of the quarterback. But uh, Packers-Vikings, I mean, that's who this division is going to come down to right now. I think the Packers are a little bit better as far as overall. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if it comes down to that final Week 17 matchup and the division is on the line. It seems like that's what happens every year, but these are two really good teams. It is certainly going to be fun to watch that all come together in the NFC North. We have a lot to look forward to. Uh, this season with all the changes uh, and all the stuff that's completely unexpected and unpredictable at this point. Jordan, we really do appreciate you taking the time to join us. Before we let you go, uh, why don't you just tell our listeners where they can find you, first on Twitter, and then what you guys have going on over at the Draft Network and any recent articles that you'd like to promote. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. And no, I am not the newly signed San Francisco, tight end, San Francisco 49ers tight end, Jordan Reed. That's a that's a running joke that's been going on for a couple of years now, but I enjoy all of that stuff. But once again, you can find me on Twitter at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. We have a lot of special things going on at the Draft Network. We have a great mock draft simulator where you can control the entire draft yourself, whether that's just the Packers, if you want to run through a seven-round mock draft with them or if you want to control the entire operation yourself. But also we have some great articles going up every single day. And actually my first mock draft of the year comes out next Monday. So hopefully I don't make you guys too mad with that. (laughs) But also I have a podcast, the Read Option podcast that I have going up. We have episodes going up every three days on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm actually running a series now called Scouting the Scout where I have some of the most notable names in the industry coming on. I have Dane Brugler coming on on Friday. Uh, the past two days, I've had Lance Zierlein uh, and some other guys as well. So really excited about that. I have a bunch of special things planned for the podcast, so make sure to check that out. Once again, that's the Read Option Podcast, and that's with an I. That's R-E-I-D. So make sure to check that out. And yeah. and that's not that's not only an awesome podcast, but I would argue that it is the best-named podcast that's out there, period. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Make sure you give Jordan a follow on Twitter. He really is a great follow. Listen to the podcast there. Uh, make sure you stay connected to the Draft Network all year round as they continue to pump out awesome content. Um, again, Jordan, it's been awesome to have you on the show. Thanks again for taking the time to join the Packaday podcast. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure. But that is all the time we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Uh, you can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Go, hey, go.